you guys know that I know all the words to this song that introduces us every time. It's it's a Shane Givens band thing. You want to sing a little bit? Nope. Right. I don't know what that will. I thought today might be the day. But You're my welcome, name is listeners. Scott Wright, and I am a mediocre journalist, and I am here today. Yeah, I'm Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens. I'm not a lawyer. But she's working on that. Don't be yeah. concerned. Don't ask me for any legal advice because I'm not allowed to give it. But you're my I'm attorney. As soon as you pass the bar, you're my attorney. Well, that will keep you busy. Do we have any shout outs today, mm, Scott? Do you have any? I don't remember. I, f- I feel like we've cleaned up some shout outs in the previous episodes that we've done. So I'm not sure. All right. I'm going to look. Defer I'm, to you. I'm looking on iTunes. Here. Okay. All right, so uh, we have a five-star review entitled Great Podcast, exclamation point. Oh, I like that. Really, only one exclamation point? One. And that says, seems half-assed. But five stars. Okay, so that's whatever. Good. It says, love the banter and especially love when it's stories I've not previously heard. Keep up the good work, exclamation point. I, maybe a follow-up would be nice to tell us what stories you have not yet heard so that we know. can add it to our list. And this this. This uh, review comes from Emerald A. So thank you, Emerald yeah, A. Whoever that is. We appreciate you leaving us a review and being a listener. We are, thank we you. are extending to you a high five in the air. We are, all of us. Huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. And then we have one more shout out. This is a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All right. Entitled, Like It, Love It. Gotta have it. Oh, oh I love it. wow. Okay. And it Get says, that woman a t-shirt. Okay. Well, um, it says, great listen on the drive to and from work. And this uh, comes from, will you be my neighbor? Oh, I bet that is some Will Bailey. That is. Thank you, Will Bailey. Is that Will Bailey? Yeah. Or is it Fred Rogers? Uh, well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Thank you for that, Will. Yeah, thank, thank you guys you. so much. And uh, if you would like I want to put on a sweater and change my shoes right now just based on what you've just told me. <laughs> well, you should uh, give us a five-star review and give us some words and we can we can call your name. Yeah, because in one of otherwise, our uh, walk away. <laughs> walk away. So thank you all to our listeners, those who have left us wonderful reviews, those who talk to us about what we've done. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Take your one-star review and shove it in a happy place. Okay. Okay. Too much? (laughs) All right, cut that. No, it's not. (laughs) All right, so are we ready to get started today? Yeah. Well, I think we are. I have no idea what you are about to talk about. Okay. This is going to be the... I I have never been dumber in my life than I'm about to be for the next hour. (laughs) And that sounds like a high hurdle to clear. Yeah. It but does. trust no. me. All right. So here we go. Go. Um, let's first talk about the city. This is not an Alabama story. Okay. We are going to be in New Orleans. That, I'm, I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. The city, Creole cottages, all the way to historic mansions on St. Charles Avenue, the cast iron balconies of the French Quarter and the walled courtyards. Is any of this ringing a bell? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. It's a collection of historic French, Spanish, Creole, and American architecture. One of my favorite cities in the country. Oh, jazz. New Orleans is jazz central. It might be the jazz city. 
The best yeah. band I ever saw was a band where one of the guys had a washboard oh. hanging off of his yes. chest. Playing it with spoons. Did, yes. Yes. Perfect. Best. Yep. The food. Let's name a little bit. Mm. Crawfish etouffee, beignets, gumbo, red beans and rice, and pralines. Now, you may say those pralines, but don't say that in New Orleans. Yeah. It's pralines. Yeah. Thank you. New Orleans is one of my favorite places to visit, but we are going to visit the New Orleans of 1918 today. So we're going way back. All right. We got some history. All right. New Orleans, 1918. There's a Spanish flu epidemic killing millions of yeah. people. 27 million people died in the Spanish flu epidemic. It went back on for in two years. Yeah. Went on for two years. Yeah. Yep. Um, World War One is going on, but they didn't call it that. It was the, the time, Great War. The Great War. It was also known as, was it not, the war to end all wars? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they assumed that it would be. Yeah. And it, oh, it did not. Oh. So that was going on. And Mardi Gras started, the first Mardi, Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans was in 1857 in February. But during the war years, they did not have, they canceled Mardi Gras. Makes sense. I mean, everybody Can you imagine? was at war. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine Mardi Gras being canceled. We actually can. Yes. Because of COVID. We all can. Wow. Because of yeah. COVID. We, every, in 2021, everything got canceled. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not outside of the realm of possibility. No, it's not. Um, we also have, uh, let's talk about how you would travel. Times were a little bit different. You might travel horse and buggy or the, the public street car. Or if you had the means, you might have had a new Ford Model T. Which was out. You can get it in any color you want, as long as it's black. Cars don't necessarily take over completely from the horse and buggy until the 1920s. So we're we're close. Yeah, I'm sure, especially not in New Orleans because the streets are small, and Mm -hmm. I mean, you still have horses around. There are still horses and buggies in New Orleans, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And most people owned an axe. Now, for various reasons. You want to build a fire? You need I feel jump. like this is foreboding. Yep. Are, are, yep. What, are, are, you, are you leading into something with the axe thing? Possibly. Okay. So you, you may want to chop some wood and build a fire. You may... <laughs> construction, <laughs> protection. Why else would you have an axe? But a lot of people did. Do you mm-hmm. guys have an axe in your home? I actually do have an axe. We probably it's do. It's hanging we have a, on my pegboard where I have my other you have an axe. tools that I don't use. Okay, so say, but we yeah, have I big, have an axe. We have a big fire pit, so we probably have an axe. I have never wielded You don't swing said the axe. axe. Said no, the person no. who's never once dropped a match in her fire pit. No, no. <laughs> now, today, you might go to an axe-throwing establishment for fun. That is I a thing. I have done that. Yeah, is that a thing all over the country? Uh, reach out to us and let us know, because here in this area of the world, in Southeast Alabama, or at least in the Southeast, yeah, there there are several establishments where you can go get drunk and throw an axe. It, isn't that strange? I know. <laughs> it sounds counterintuitive, but it's a thing. Yeah, it is. But in 1918, you didn't own an axe for fun. And no one would make that last statement truer than the axe man of New Orleans. Okay. Did you love that, Lee? I love that. All right, here we go. I'm trying not to laugh out of respect for the way you did that. <laughs> but the, yeah, you nailed that. Thank you. Now I can't wait to see what happens next. All right, let's start with Andrew Maggio, a barber in New Orleans. He got a draft letter. 
Mm-hmm. I know. As yeah. you do. So on May, yeah, back then, yes, that was the thing. So on May the 22nd, 1918, Andrew goes out drinking. Not happily drinking. I like him already. He's celebrating the last little bit of freedom that he has. So he returns home about two o'clock to 1901 Magnolia Street. Now, Jake, his brother, was already asleep in the room that Andrew shared with him. And then Joseph... They had another brother, Joseph, and he used the room adjacent to theirs, and that's where Joseph lived with his wife, Catherine. So about four o'clock in the morning, Jake, one of the brothers, wakes up to the sounds of groaning and moaning, and he listens carefully to try to figure out where that sound's coming from. I have a guess. He and Andrew determined it was coming from the room next door. He went to check what the sound was and found that Joseph and Catherine were lying on their beds surrounded by blood. Now, Catherine wasn't breathing. Her throat had been cut and Joseph had a big gash on his head. There was a panel on the bottom of the door that was chiseled out and lying on the floor and the chisel was lying beside it. A bloody axe was left lying on the ground. Now, some reports are going to say the axe was left in the room and some are going to say it's out in the yard. But nonetheless, the axe was there, and the axe belonged to the Maggios. So Jake calls the police. Corporal Arthur Hattner arrives, and he helps Joseph, and he's looking at the scene, and then Joseph stops breathing. So he doesn't, he's not able to help right. with the investigation. He's not able to, able to say anything. He's too or late. Help them. Um, I've got like a little picture here where you can see how they were, how they were lying. I'll put this on Instagram, but it's a picture of their bedroom and you see the door and you see the panel out and you see the chisel lying on the floor and you see the couple on the bed. So in 1918, there were not a lot of individuals in this area who had, you know, these big grand homes or even had their own home. They cohabitated with family. Right. And there would be different apartments. And, you know, you've got the, the brothers, Andrew and Jake, in, in one apartment. And then you've got Joseph and Catherine, the other. What you're going to, to come to find is the majority of the victims that I'm going to talk about today are Italian grocers. And we're not talking about a grocery store like the Piggly Wiggly or Ingles or Publix. We're talking about these little storefronts. These I love stores. that you led with Piggly Wiggly. Oh, I know. Yeah. Of course I did. Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, the ca- the long counter. Right. And then the other the other side of the wall had all the items and things like that. Deli style. Deli style. And then they would have an apartment attached to the back. And that's how they lived. Or upstairs or, or wherever, upstairs. right? Yes. Yeah. That they lived in their business. Yes. Yeah. And they literally live in one room apartments. Right. So I'll put this photo or it's not a it's a drawing that was included in in the local newspaper. And so I'll put that on our Instagram page. So the next day, the newspapers are showing this photo. Now, Jake and Andrew are going to be detained and questioned. And Jake is going to be released pretty quickly, but Andrew's not going to be. And that is because Andrew is a barber and Catherine's throat was cut with a straight razor that was there. And he's a barber that uses a straight razor. Yes. Got it. Yes. And so Andrew's story is also going to change a few times and they're not going to like that. Mm. Andrew does confess that he really did not remember much about it because he was drunk. 
and he might have noticed someone entering their house about 1.30 a.m., but then later he was like, no, I don't think I really saw anybody. I think he was scared. He was scared because, again, we're talking about Italian immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, Who are the lower echelon of society at the time, unfortunately. They I mean, are. They were. Yes, yes. Considered that way. Yes, and they were in New in Orleans country, as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So he's a little bit afraid, and so I think he tries to say that he saw someone to sort of distance himself, but it's very unclear what- Yeah, it wasn't me. What he saw. Right. He was wasted and came home and passed out. <sighs> Later, Andrew- I know the words to that song. <laughs> Later, Andrew is going to be released because there's there's no evidence. They can't get any proof that he had anything to do with this crime. So they later find a message discovered in front of Joseph and Catherine's grocery store. It was written in chalk and it said, quote, Miss Maggio will sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony, end quote. So they start digging into prior incidences that may ha- may look like this crime. Is that just kids? They don't playing with chalk, or is it? They a, don't think so. Okay. They don't think so because okay. when they start looking into previous crimes that are similar okay. to this, they go back to 1911, and there were four similar axe murder cases. Now, all four cases had uh, the same victim type they were all grocers uh so, i think the axe yeah so well, figures prominently and the axe too yeah. yeah so then you've got um they they go through and list the victims the first victim's last name was cruti second was rosetti the third was shiambra and then the final victim's last name was tony so you're making a connection. So they're they're thinking that Italians. That, well, and that's why they're thinking. That's what they think that message meant. Mrs. Maggio will sit up tonight, just like Mrs. Tony. We move to the next set of victims on June 27th, 1918, at the rear of his grocery store on Dorgenois and La Harp Streets. Louis Bessemer and his mistress Harriet Lowe were attacked, and no one opened the store that morning, the grocery store. And so a delivery man comes up and says, something's not right here and discovers the two lying in a pool of blood. Bessemer had been struck with an ax above his right temple. Lowe was hacked over the left ear. Both were severely hurt, but they both survived. Oh, what? Yeah, we are going to have some survivors here. Spoiler alert. Harriet said the attacker was a heavy-set, light-skinned man. And people were questioned. One man was even arrested, but later released. You would assume that the person who struck you in the face with an axe, you would have gotten a decent look at. Kind of. It's kind of difficult, but because it's in the middle of the night, too, and these okay. people are asleep. Okay. Um, oh, they were asleep when this happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, never this mind. Is, this, these happen in the middle of the night. Retract that. Yeah. So... <clears throat> They released the people that they arrested. Uh, The crime made the newspapers, but it was probably a bigger issue with most of the people that we were talking about a scandal of this man and his mistress. Like that was a bigger deal than the fact that they had been attacked by. Thank you, William Randolph Hearst. 
So and your yellow journalism. <laughs> um, after the attack, one side of Harriet's face was partially paralyzed, and so on August fifth, they they do surgery to try and correct it. But two days later, unfortunately, she dies. But before she passes, she told authorities that she actually suspected it was Louis who had attacked her. So Bessemer is then charged with murder and ends up serving nine months in prison before being acquitted on May the 1st, 1919, after a 10-minute jury deliberation. Could have been worse. Yeah. So he's in jail for, for nine months. And we're talking about a woman with a head injury. And her doctor is even saying this is, you know, she has a head injury. Yeah. You really can't use what she's saying as fact. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. But they did. Okay. And eventually, though, he was acquitted. So that was in May 1st of 1919. But we go back to 1918 because we're not through. August the 5th, 1918, a third attack was made on Anna Schneider in her home on Elmira Street. Now, Anna was eight months pregnant. The 28-year-old was asleep. She woke up to see a dark figure standing over her and was bashed in the face repeatedly. Anna's husband returned home from work shortly after midnight and found her. Her scalp had been cut open and her face was completely covered in blood, but she survived the attack and gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days later. Oh, wow. That's a lot for one person to go through. So basically, we're talking about the worst axe murderer. He's pretty good. Of all time. I mean, he's he's kind of good, too. Okay. Okay. So, one man was arrested on suspicion, but soon released for lack of evidence. By this time, investigators began to publicly speculate that all of these attacks are related. Yeah. So, now they're starting to put it together and say, okay, we have uh, possibly... Wait a minute. We have a crime here. We've got someone who's I... committed multiple crimes. I... Right. Yeah, and Where I is guess, John Douglas when you need him? Yeah, so these crimes are similar. Nothing is taken from the crime scene. No valuables are stolen. The axe left at the scene, and it belongs to they the They left the murder weapon at the crime scene. He leaves it every time because it's not his axe. Oh, okay. okay. The axe. He's killing people with their, or hitting people with their own axes. Yeah. He's using uh, their I own. I feel bad that I just now got caught up on that yeah i just caught that too i I was like where is he getting (laughs) all these axes all right so here's the deal it's why the guy who bought a dozen axes at home depot is your man no it's why i have that whole axe lead in i know and now it makes perfect sense Um, why do you own an axe sorry i i I showed up drunk today this is my fault Uh, i didn't i still didn't get it till right now (laughs) no they're they the axes belong to the victims yes okay and every time a panel, a bottom panel of the door is chiseled out. And so it sort of gets this spiritual thing going in New Orleans. People are like, no human can really fit through that. Oh. So this is like uh, a, oh, a spirit. Oh, back in the day. And throw New Orleans in. Oh, yeah. Right. But, but really what some people have theorized, and it makes the most sense to me, is the panel on the door is is chiseled out quietly. Picture this. Go on. You're asleep in the middle of the night. And slowly and yeah, quietly, right. a panel is being chiseled out. Quietly, the panel lies down on the floor with the chisel, and then up 
comes an arm and unlatches the door from yeah, the inside. Right. Opens the door. Does what he's going to do. Then he leaves, shuts the door, reaches back up through the panel and locks the door because all the doors are locked. Shut okay. your mouth. Yes. That's what's happening. So this is happening every single time. Most of these victims, again, as I said, are Italian grocers. So that was August the 5th. Five days later, on August the 10th, 1918, Joseph Romano was attacked. The elderly grocer lived with his two nieces who woke up to the sound of a struggle in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. The girls entered Romano's room to find that he had taken a serious blow to his head and they saw the man fleeing. Despite being seriously injured, Romano was actually able to walk to the ambulance once it got there. But he did die two days later from the head injury. Mm. Now, the girls provided a little bit of a description. They are saying a dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and a slouched hat. So now, the perpetrator has been identified as It was 1918. A, everybody wore a dark suit. Yeah. He's been identified as a light-skinned man and a dark-skinned man. Huh. So that doesn't add up. No. It's, and it's at night. And lighting is not... Uh, let me tell you a D.B. Cooper story that will make you pull your hair out. I mean, 20 people saw him. Nobody can agree what he looked like. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, so exactly. the same thing. Eyewitness testimony is bad. Bad. Very bad. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> police were inundated with reports from citizens claiming to have the Axeman lurking in their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. People are finding axes and chisels in their backyards. None of this is happening, right? People are panicking and they're reporting all these things. Doors and windows, oh, they've been tampered with now. People start to carry loaded shotguns and family members are going to take turns sleeping and watching, watching out, I guess. Yes. Watching over families. Yeah. Yeah. This is just another reminder. And we talked about this when we did uh, the Patricia Hearst part one. It sounds like the world is burning down. Yeah, always. It's always that way. Yes. Now, one report alleged that the Axeman was masquerading as a woman and another that he had been seen leaping over a back fence. So they're just getting all kinds of reports. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if you could call that reports. People are just calling the police nonstop and telling them, this is happening, this is happening. And then the killing stopped. Just, Just like that. Just stopped. That was, that was, uh, let's see. When was that? August 10th, 1918. Stopped. Just like that. Just like that. And we'll be back after a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor here at True Crime on Easy Street. It's A&W Outdoor Services. They're located right here in Cherokee County, Alabama. It's almost time to tidy up your deck. Clean the gutters and spruce up the yard and landscaping around your home or your house or your creekside cabin. And who better to do that for you than the professional crew at A&W Outdoor Services? Call 256-706-7964 and let Alan Wells and his guys do all the hard work for you so you can spend your time this summer enjoying your piece of Cherokee County in clean, 
carefree comfort. Call Alan Wells today for a free estimate or to get on the schedule before it fills up. And it's going to be full soon. Call 256-706-7964 A&W Outdoor Services. It's time to plan your best vacation ever right here in Cherokee County, Alabama. Many outdoor adventures await. Wet a hook in beautiful Weiss Lake, swing away at Cherokee Pines Golf Club, climb to the best view around at Cherokee Rock Village, hike the Little River Canyon National Preserve, take a days-long splash at Pirates Bay Water Park, and much, much more. The Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism has a full list of recommended lodging facilities, RV sites, and campgrounds, and they're all set up to suit your vacation needs, whatever they may be. So come see us from wherever you are. And if you already live right here in lovely Cherokee County, plan your summer 2023 staycation with the Chamber by visiting Cherokee-Chamber.org. If you want to keep current on all the happenings in and around Cherokee County, a subscription to the Post-Herald is a great way to do that. The Post-Herald is a one-stop shop for local, state, national, and world news and sports. The Post-Herald also contains crossword and Sudoku puzzles, syndicated opinion and advice columns, and free classified ads. Depending on your zip code, you can get a full year of the Post-Herald delivered to your door for as little as $20 annually during our springtime subscription drive. That's cheap. So call call 256-927-4476 today and subscribe to the Cherokee Post-Herald. That's 256-927-4476. Thank you for being a sponsor. So Kelly has asked me if I would like to welcome us back, and I am very joyous about that. And so welcome back, everyone. (laughs) We are back to the show. All right. So Was that too much? No, that was good. When we left off last, the killings had stopped. We were in August of 1918, and the killings stopped. Now, we are going to fast forward to March the 10th, 1919. Mm -hmm. Now, our neighborhoods are returning to normal. Everybody is sort of relaxed, and they're thinking that we can put this all behind Nobody's killing anybody with axes anymore? Not at this time. Maybe he's moved on. Maybe he's died. There there are a lot of theories of of what might have happened. Run over by a trolley car? Yeah, during this time. However, on March the 10th, 1919, Charles Cordomiglia was an Italian immigrant and grocer. I like the way you just ran right through that. You nailed that name. Thank you. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't even like pause. You just, no. you ran right through it like a train through gauze. You ran right through that name. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Go. Sorry. I love that last name. Yeah. So Charles Cordomiglia was an Italian immigrant. Did it again. And grocer who lived with his wife, dadgummit, Scott. <laughs> Scott, I'm about to mute you. I know. Sorry. I know. He lived with his wife, Rosie, okay. and their two-year-old daughter, Mary. And they lived in Gretna, which is just across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. It's like a suburb of New Orleans. So neighbors are going to run over to their place when they hear screams coming from the Cordomiglia residence. Now, the neighbor is also an Italian grocer. And I had his name listed as two two different types of names. Lorlando Giordano is one way. Okay. Another way is instead of that L at the beginning, it's a capital I. So it'd be Orlando 
Giordano. Mm-hmm. So just to make sure, we're just going to call him Mr. Giordano. So it's been typed two different ways, two probably. Different ways. And, yeah. I think it's probably Orlando mm-hmm. Giordano, and people thought that was a lowercase l. If I say anything else, Katie is going to mute my microphone, mm-hmm. so I'm so, just going to sit here and listen. So the neighboring grocer hears the screams coming from the residents, and he comes over to investigate, and there he found the three had been attacked. Now, Rosie had woken up in the middle of the night. Woken, that's not the right word. I think it is. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways. To find her husband struggling with a large man with an axe. Mm. When her husband fell to the floor, he turned on her as she held her daughter and begged for their lives. Unmoved by her pleas, he slammed the axe down on both mother and daughter. And so when Mr. Giordano arrived to check on them, Charles lay in a pool of blood on the floor as Rosie stood in the doorway with a serious head wound clutching their deceased daughter. Oh, no. The couple was rushed to the Ugh. hospital. I know. The couple was rushed to the hospital where both were treated for skull fractures. Now, Charles was released two days later while his wife remained in care of the doctors. Now, once she gains full consciousness, Rosie is going to say that the attack was by Mr. Giordano and his 18-year-old son, Frank. Now, Orlando is a 69-year-old man in poor health. Impossible to have committed these crimes. Not to mention Charles is saying, no, yeah, that's not who attacked us. You think she just remembers seeing him when he came the next morning and her mind's just all messed up? It could have been that, but it also also could have been that they were a rival grocer and they had recently had an issue. Oh, so she's now. I'm she's starting to think that that's is that where this story is going? Maybe is this a rival grocer thing? Maybe we'll see. Okay. So Charles is saying no, that's not right. However, they are going to arrest Frank and the father, and uh, Frank is going to be sentenced to hang, and his father is going to get life in prison. What? Yeah. Now, after the trial, Charles divorces Rosie. Over Ma- this, yeah. Into their marriage, th- this whole incident. Um, about a year later- A lot of traumatic events between married couples end with the yeah. marriage being over. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. And now, after a year later, Rosie is actually going to reverse her claim and say that she falsely accused the two out of jealousy and spite. Oh, wow. Now. Since that's the only evidence against the Giordanos, they're going to be released. Well, that's good. What else could you do? Exactly. Yeah, so, if she's the only eyewitness. At least the authorities were, were willing to mm-hmm. do that. Many times that has not been the case. Correct. Now, following the Cordomiglia murders, New Orleans is going to, they're going to be terrified again. Yeah. Uh, they're going to arm themselves. The police state that they believed all of the crimes have been committed by the same man, quote, a bloodthirsty maniac filled with a passion for human slaughter, end quote. How would you like that quote in your newspaper to read? That's going to calm the public. Wow. Yeah. Now, soon after, on March the 14th, 1919, the Times-Picune newspaper received a letter that promised another attack. Esteemed mortal of New Orleans, 
They have never caught me, and they never will. They've never seen me, for I'm invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with the blood of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Yosef, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there's any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise to know to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your thousands. Mm. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at twelve fifteen earthly time on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse. Hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee, I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fantasy. Yours truly, the Axeman. So how about that letter? What do you think about that? Uh, well, Shane nailed it like he <laughs> always does. And if you don't believe it, just ask him. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a reason I asked Shane to read that letter. I think he did a great job. Thank yeah. you, Shane. Um, he's not going to hear that. So yeah, he's I, never going to hear it because he's never listened right. to show one fucking time. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. And there's my so, F-bomb. Okay, there it is. Um, So... There's a lot in this letter to unpack. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's start with some of these things. Like this, this, I think the accent is well read. Yes, it does seem that way. Because he's, a lot of this language that he's using Mm -hmm. sounds like someone who's well read. Right? And then there's a lot of. It sounded like an intelligent person. Yeah. And then there's a lot of spiritual talk. Fantasy talks. Underworld, demons, you know. It, I mean, it's literally dated. His satanic majesty Yeah, is it's, part of this letter. At the top of the letter, you know, where you would put a return address, mm-hmm. it just says, 
hell. Oh, okay. And then it has March 13th, 1919. Now, the paper's going to publish this on the 14th of March. This is so, the paper, the paper, though, it, it's just going to put it right on out there. It put, yeah. it put it right on out there. Mm-hmm. So, on the night of March 19th, 1919, all of New Orleans sounds like jazz. The dance halls, the discos, so the honky tonks, the bars. They're going to be full of people. They're going to have a band, whether they're good or bad, doesn't matter, but jazz is going to be playing. Been there, done dawn. that. Everybody that's got a record player or whatever they're using mm-hmm. to play jazz. March the time, 19th, that's one day away from the greatest birthday of anybody that ever had one. Really? Yeah, my birthday's March the 20th. Well, that's awesome. Sorry. <laughs> In- An aside. Yeah. Uh, we can delete that. No. We, so they, they're listening to him. They, oh, they took did. him serious. They yeah. took him seriously. Hundreds of parties that night in the town and around the town. People were dancing. Jazz is blaring out of every window. And no one was attacked that evening. So the Axeman kept his promise. And then on August the 10th, 1919, another grocer Named Steve Boca was attacked in his bedroom as he slept. So we go from March to August with no attacks. So five months with nothing happening. Nothing. And then another grocer. Yep. Boca wakes up during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed, which is basically everybody's nightmare. Sounds par for the course at this point. Suffering from a blow from an axe, he survived. And when he regained consciousness, he ran to the home of his neighbor, Frank Janusa. There, he just falls and collapses. Like he's knocked out. He wakes up. He runs to the neighbors for help. He just collapses. Uses all his adrenaline. Yep. Can I just say what everybody's thinking? What? This is the worst axe murderer of all time. Well, <laughs> he's been. He's not that good at it. Maybe that's his point. I don't. Yeah. Okay. He was then treated for his injuries, but was unable to remember the details of the attack. Like others who had been assaulted by the axemen, nothing was taken. And a panel on the back of the door, or a panel on the back door, Mm -hmm. sorry, of the home chiseled away. So this guy always gets in the same way. He knocks out a panel of the door, Mm -hmm. reaches in, unlocks the door. Yep. And I almost want comes I mean, in and half ass attacks you with an axe. But you know, a lot of these people are dying later. If you've been paying I attention, guess I don't. Under, I guess I guess medical facilities weren't quite as good as they are today. Because if you attack me with an axe on Tuesday and I die on Friday, I feel like something didn't happen in the hospital that should have. I don't know. Maybe some antibiotics. I don't know, but or a, definitely, a bandage. definitely in 2023, medical care is a lot better than 19. Sorry. 18. So that's definitely 100% agree with just, you on that. I just wanted to say what everybody was thinking out there. <laughs> on September the 2nd, a local druggist named William Carson is going to escape the axe man because he's going to hear an intruder. Coming into his home and he's going to start shooting. So he's, he's gonna, not asleep. No, he's going to fire some shots and then the person's going to run and they're going to drop the axe and leave. So they know it was the axe man. So I'm guessing people leave their axes outside here. Like, is he getting the axe? 
Possibly, but he is also getting in the home. Wait, yeah. did you just say that he dropped the axe and left? Good. So he... Well, I mean, it wasn't his. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to take He's not anything. a thief. No, he doesn't take anything. It's his. Okay. All right. On September the 3rd, 1919, one day later, a young woman named Sarah Lawman was attacked with an axe while she slept. When neighbors came to check on the young woman because she lived alone and they haven't seen her, they discovered her lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from a severe head injury and missing several teeth. Now, though she suffered from a brain concussion, she recovered. A bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. It is unclear to me in this particular incident if that axe belonged to her or not. She's a young woman who lives alone. I don't know if she had an axe or not. I feel like the provenance of the axe is secondary yeah. to the story. Yeah. And so she survived. The last attack came on October the 27th, 1919. That they know of. The last attack that they have attributed to the Axeman. When grocer Mike Pepitone was murdered, that night... Another grocer. Another grocer. That night, his wife heard a noise and ran into the bedroom just as a large axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene. Pepitone had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. His murder left his wife and six children behind. Aww. Yeah, Mrs. Pepitone was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer. And usual clues left behind. The only thing they, they said was, quote, blood spatter covered the majority of the room, including a painting of the Virgin Mary, end quote. I don't want to make light of this because people died, but I'm guessing he smelled like lettuce because it seems that the common theme, who is the grocer that's left after all of this happens? There's your guy. Oh, well. Right? I don't know. The, the, there the were last remaining grocer in New Orleans there were a who's lot. killing all of his competitors. Well, there were a lot of Italian grocers there at this time because they're small stores. Local neighborhood but, I mean, stores. But I'm on to something here, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm no Hercule Poirot, but I think I'm on to something here. <laughs> now, the authorities continue to work on the case, but they came up with nothing. Pepitone's murder was the last known of the Axeman is the last. He so, has so never, never been seen or heard again in New Orleans. And this case remains unsolved to this day. Nope. So sorry about that, Scott. Sorry. I <laughs> think Scott the three of us have half, we've halfway figured this out. All I need is police reports, <laughs> but there probably aren't any, right? Well, you'll also need a list of grocers in the area. If, and if and the guy who had a huge, successful grocery business at the end of this killing there, spree. There have been a lot of um, speculations and theories. Some people were thinking it was maybe mob hits. Okay. Um, maybe if Mo you The had, mob had infiltrated by then. Sure. Yes. And they're thinking maybe, you know, if they didn't pay up for their, quote, protection. Yeah. And they were hit. Early, yeah. Now, early mob stuff. Uh there was a man who was a sort of a mob expert. He, he's going to say, no, this is not correct because the mob would not leave anyone alive. Was it Al Capone? No. Okay. No. But just kind of back and forth. Right. They would have the done a better there, job. Yeah. There have been other, right. other speculations. And, and people were well, thinking that it might be rival grocers. People were thinking that it was the mob. People were thinking, you know, that none of these were connected. They were totally different. Um, okay. I tend to think they're so similar. It sounds. There's no way they're not connected. 
connected. There are right, acts, Katie. It sounds connected. Yeah, there are there are axe murder cases all over the the United States mm-hmm. that you could continually string along and attach to these that just keep going and going and going. It's really um, disturbing if you look into it. Okay, I'm never going to get another chance to do this as long as we do this podcast. Okay. Has anybody seen the 1991 Mike Myers film, So I Married an Axe Murderer? I have. I have seen it. One of my favorite films of all times. And I just wanted to throw that out there because (laughs) how often are we going to talk about axe murderers? I know. So what story from New Orleans would be complete without a haunting? None. None. Absolutely none. Yeah. Right. I love going on the ghost tours in New Orleans because there's mm, history. Been there, done that. Love it. Yes. There's there's history, there's a story, and then there's always a ghost yeah, story tied to it. Yes. This is no exception. We've all done that, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. The Axeman is no exception. Now, if you will remember back to the third season of American Horror Story, Coven. Yeah. American Horror Story Coven. Yes. The Axeman's ghost shows up. He actually shows up in episode 10 entitled The Axeman Cometh. And he's played by actor Danny Houston. Now, Danny Houston is a white guy. So that I think it's generally believed that the Axeman was a white man. I could see it. An Italian. No. Grocer. No, just, just no one specifies. Yeah. <clears throat> but there right. are some who think it yeah. could be. Did he have a, a head of lettuce in his other hand? <laughs> Oh, no. He did, not on the show, he didn't. Okay. Now, because of the ghost story surrounding this killer, the show creators decided to work him into their New Orleans season, and I think that's... I love it. I think they should I have. love the homework that they did. He's a big part of New Orleans history, mm-hmm. New Orleans hauntings. Uh, the house on 1901 Magnolia Street, where Joseph Maggio and his wife Catherine were murdered, is said to be haunted by them. On certain nights near the area, people have reported screams and shrieks. You murder me and I'm going to haunt wherever I'm murdered. Just to get ready. <laughs> yeah. Note to self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, from March the 13th to the 15th, it is a NOLA jazz tradition to play it in pubs, clubs, discos at least once a night in order to ward off the Axeman's fury. You know, I'm, I wondered if they kept that up. I, I was, do. Yeah, it's still a thing. There. I'm bringing an axe next week. <laughs> Just now, to have. It doesn't matter the type of establishment. You're going to hear jazz at least once during those nights. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's like a a country place or you know anything. They're going to they're going to bring some jazz. Okay. During that time, sure. at, at some point, the hospital where Joseph Romano was treated is said to be haunted by his restless spirit. And then we have the haunted hotel, which is the actual name of the hotel. The Haunted Hotel of New Orleans is located at 623 Ursuline. And this is the actual name of the hotel, as I said. Okay. It is the location believed to be where the Axeman hid out between victims. Hmm. Now, is this one of those hotels that's like a converted warehouse that's a hotel now? Because I've stayed in one of those with your husband, Katie, Shane, and I stayed in one. It was converted from... It was like a cotton warehouse. I don't know. The high so. ceilings. No, this looks like a, a small okay. hotel. Right. Sorry. Yeah. In the back of the hotel, there's a courtyard that people say has a, a strange, dark vibe. Visitors have claimed to have seen wandering shadows, pools of blood, and even experienced bizarre electrical issues with their cell phones in the mm. back of them. That just the sounds like a battery room. issue, but whatever. Check, take a trip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm going to pull up a note and read it to you. If you go and stay in this hotel, housekeeping will leave a little card. Oh, good. For you. And the card, of course, says the Haunted Hotel. And it has a shadowy silhouette of the X-Man on it. Mm -hmm. And it says, this room was professionally cleaned. Hope you don't get murdered in your sleep. Love, the X-Man. <laughs> so if you wake up with this uh, resounding air <laughs> on your brain, it's because there's an axe buried in your skull. All right. So you can go and you can stay there to this day. I looked it up. It's still open. I looked at the uh, 1901 um, apartment, Magnolia Street. It's just little apartments. You are the worst travel agent of all times. If you're trying to sell me on this trip to New Orleans, I'm having second thoughts. Well, if you go to New Orleans, you should do a ghost tour. It's a lot of fun. You really should. I have done, I've actually done the ghost tour. It was actually, was a lot of fun. I don't remember a lot about it because we got to start drinking before the show started <laughs> and they had to tell me about it later. And I think you can Much do- Much like today. I think you can do an X-Man specific ghost tour. Okay. okay. So, but they have all kinds. Mm -hmm. They have all kinds and you can go see all the the beautiful places. If you if you do some of the the their haunted tours right in the middle of the French Quarter, you see some of those big beautiful homes there and you go to the uh, to the cemetery. Yeah. Right? You go, yes, yeah. you do. Yeah. And it it is uh interesting to learn about it. Um what makes this case I think so uh interesting to people. Number one, it's it's just it's not solved. Right. And it happened in New Orleans and then they have all of this this stuff surrounding it, the hauntings and the and you know, every story, you know, just gets bigger and bigger. They are squeezing this lemon for every last bit of juice. Yeah. 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 So unfortunately the Axeman was never brought to justice. I just don't feel like the Axeman is still around today because the Axeman would be a hundred and Forty years old, right? Yeah, at least. Yeah, no. he he and the Zodiac Killer are somewhere in another place right now uh, with Jack the Ripper and with Jack the Ripper yeah, from so. the eighteen nineties. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, that's it. That is the hey case awesome. Of the I love it. Of New Orleans, you made me want to go to New Orleans again, but with friends and stay in the daytime. And she just turned my microphone down because I've had enough. <laughs> No, you were getting <laughs> you were getting in the red on the board, and I was uh, like, "Huh?" The board was the, the, holding its ears. Five for fighting. My fault. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good week. Good night, everybody. Okay, guys. So you thought that we were finished with this week's episode, and we've already played the music, and Shane's sung that thing that he sings. The about song. The woman in the canyon. The song. Yeah, the song about the woman that. Is murdered? That one. Now the whole thing makes sense. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so the Super Bowl has already happened when you listen to this out there in the world. Yes. But we are sitting here at noon on Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, we are. So it's five and a half hours until kickoff, but we're going to make our Super Bowl predictions. Okay. And I thought it would be fun if instead of just picking, we will pick who we think is going to win, but let's also do prop bets. And I'll explain that if you don't know what that is. Yeah, you're going to have to. Okay. So first of all, I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Ooh. All right. So that <laughs> sounds like Eagles from Kelly. Yes. Katie. Eagles. Over Eagles. There. All right. So we've established that. Yes. And now we're going to do four proposition bets. Okay. And I'm going to record them on this piece of paper that I hold in my hand. Okay. And we will see what happens. He has a tiny little notebook. That's correct. 
I am a mediocre journalist. Of course, my notebook is tiny. Yeah. Stick around. Okay. No, no additional comments on that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. So, uh, Philly and Philly got that. All right. So here is one. The first proposition bet is this. All right. Jalen Hurts rushing yards. The number is 50. You pick over or under. Rushing yards means him running the ball? Yes. <laughs> Past the line of scrimmage. I thought you knew more about football than you apparently do. Scott's head's going to fly off of his body before the Maybe this is a with. terrible okay, fucking I'm idea. I'm going to take the over on that. All right. So over from Kelly. Uh, that's a plus. Uh, I'm going to pick a plus on that as well. All right. Well, then I'll do under. There you go. Does minus. he run the ball a lot? He, he, he sometimes. Tends to. He tends oh, okay. to. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right. So the second one is. Does Nick Saban make an appearance live on the air, either in the, in the booth? I'm not talking about a commercial. There's probably going to be a commercial Okay, Nick Saban. So I'm saying, does out. Nick okay. Saban make an appearance live on the air during the broadcast as part of the broadcast team? I have no idea what he's going to do. Um, okay, so I'm going to say yes, right, just because plus there. I feel like, as an Auburn fan, every time there's a football game on, he is on there. Oh, pudding. You going to be okay? I'll be okay about it. No, All right. We'll yes. talk her down no, yes, out of the I, windowsill in a minute. No, 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 no. I actually, I actually like Nick Saban. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike Nick Saban. I, I'm going to go no on that. I think that they are not going to be able to resist asking him, especially since Jalen left Alabama. I know. That's the storyline. Yeah. If you're, if you're a, a football fan, Jalen Hurts was a quarterback at Alabama, and then he got benched in favor of Tua Tagovailoa. And he was very supportive. And and that. very supportive, yeah. but then transferred to Oklahoma. So he could start. And played another season at Oklahoma. But a lot of Alabama fans are rooting for the Eagles tonight. Yes. Because of the Jalen Hurts connection. And Devontae Smith, also the wide receiver who won the, yes. the uh, Heisman Trophy, is, on is an team. Eagle. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yes, Katie, I say yes. Plus. All right, I'm going negative on You're that You're going one. no. Okay. All right, two to go. All right, so the other one is... Will either of the teams in tonight's Super Bowl make a field goal of 45 yards or more? Yes. That was easy. No. Katie says no. I say, I also say no. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right, here's the last one. Will the first advertisement after the game begins, like the first time they take a break, after kickoff, the first ad of the Super Bowl, Will it be beer or not? I'll beer. Mm. I'm going no on this one. I'm going like more something techy. Okay. Yeah. Could be tech. It could be snacks. You know, there's a Amazon. At some point, there's going to be a, <laughs> a, a, an advertisement that features the Breaking Bad leads. Okay. Uh, Walter and Jesse okay. are going to pitch. Uh, I think it's potato chips. Oh, fun. Okay. At some point tonight. Well, I know Miles Taylor's in the Bud Lock commercial. So, yeah, a bunch of advertisements his, his for beer. Fine. I just don't know what's going to be first. So, all right. So, I'm going to say beer's not going to be first. You said no. I'm going out on a limb. That's a limb. Yeah, I know it is. Your, eyes got, your say, eyes got real big, Scott, when I said no to that. I know. Yeah. I say yes. Katie Beth says yes. Scott Wright say? says yes. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the, I'm sure that I could probably look it up and we would know what the ad order is going to be, but I don't know. I, I don't know, but we're just going, we're, this is, this is just totally right, random it. here. So I'm going to save this. Okay. And then we will discuss it next week. Everybody out there is listening. Yeah. Right now. And they already know if we got this right or not, but yeah. we don't. We don't know this, but who, okay. So who's picked to win? 
Uh, the line, yes, as I saw it last, Kansas City is a one and a half point favorite. That's close. I think it's going to be a great game. I hope so. I think it's going to come down to who has the ball last. I hate those Super Bowl games or even like the the college championship game where it's just a complete and utter blowout. Yeah, when it's over by halfway through the third. It's and boring. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We should have predicted what songs Rihanna is going to sing, but. Oh, <laughs> we could do that. I, would, I wouldn't know. Katie, what oh do you think? Gosh. I saw a TikTok that I agreed with. I think she's going to open with Run This Town. Okay. Oh, that sounds good. I mean, don't they all do like a mashup of all their songs usually? Yeah, they kind of do a medley. So like Umbrella, is that's, that too old? That's what Bru- <laughs> She's definitely got to do Umbrella. When I attended a Super Bowl, it's been 15, 17 years ago, but Bruce Springsteen was the halftime performer wow. and he did a medley of his songs. Yeah. So, a yeah. lot of them do that. Yeah. You've only got like 10 minutes. Does everybody 13, remember? I think. Is everybody, it 13 minutes? Everybody remember. Surely. Does everybody remember the wardrobe malfunction year? Oh yeah, I was I was, pretty I was young, watching. but I remember. Yeah, that was uh, two thousand and four. I was watching. We were at a friend's house, and and people, I was the only one in the living room watching the halftime show, and everybody was sort of in the kitchen grazing, right? And I just remember going, "Boob." Yeah, <laughs> I, that's Penny from Good Times. Why is her boob on TV? <laughs> which, uh, yeah, that is Penny from Good Times. Yeah, which got some attention. And people can got my attention. <laughs> I guarantee you that. <laughs> you but brought it up. Don't yeah. they run on a delay now with yeah. live TV because of that? <laughs> like, yeah, because it's crazy that that made it to live TV. Like, yeah, insane. I did. Well, you yeah. didn't see her boob, really. I mean, it, no, it you like really a, could. There was something over it. I mean, until, he didn't pull the part until off Justin of Timberlake pulled that off, he and then there it, it was. But it wasn't the whole boob. There was. It was the whole boob. It was not the whole boob. You're misremembering. It was this. a bedazzled boob. She did have it bedazzled. It was bedazzled. Yeah, yeah, but still, there was a boob in there. Well, it was a boob. Yeah, it was. There was a distraction, but still boob. That, and if you're get, a guy and you see a boob, you're looking right well, at. Well, let's get it. let's let's I'm not get saying. too technical. But there was technically no areola. Okay. Any let's, guy can find a boob. <laughs> Everything else. Bedazzled areola. All right. That's the title of this episode. (laughs) It is now. All right. So that's our Super Bowl predictions. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around for five extra minutes and listening to this uh, Bedazzled, you know, what nottery. Um, If you're going to uh, New Orleans for Mardi Gras, have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Drive safely. Yeah. That's coming up soon. All right.